Adventures in Feeding My Fam is a weekly podcast discussing the challenges and fun around feeding your family healthy meals. I'm Andrea Heyman, and I've been a registered dietitian for over 25 years, so I know the importance of good nutrition. But I'm also a mom of three, so I understand the challenges and humor that comes along with trying to make this happen. In this podcast, I'll share my tips, tricks, and menus, but I'll also share the stories and food prep failures that come along the way too. Interview guests will discuss family food traditions, how to strengthen bonds around the family table, as well as their favorite family recipes. There isn't one right way to feed your family, but there are countless stories and you can take bits and pieces and learn from all of them. Hi everyone. It's Andrea Heyman with another episode of Adventures in Feeding My Fam. I want to give you a quick heads up. In another week and a half, I'm offering my five-day challenge. This challenge is really for anyone who wants to begin incorporating more plant-based meals into their family's routine. But I'll help break everything down to make it super easy so you can begin to get organized, simplify food prep, all that kind of good stuff. And we definitely want to make it so that we're not spending all day in the kitchen because we have better things to do or other things to do, I should say. More of that to come in the next few days on my Instagram account and Facebook group. So keep an eye open for that. Um, You can find me on both of those places at Adventures of Feeding My Fam. Now on to today's episode. Heather Cohen is many things, and that includes a party planner, mama three, a baker, and so much more. I've known Heather for over 18 years, and in this conversation, even I learned new things about her. I think you're going to really enjoy listening to all of her stories, learning about her parties, and other experiences related to food. Let's have fun with this. Today we have Heather Cohen, who is a mom of three and has a party planning business called HLC. She's super involved in her community and on numerous committees and boards as well. Anyone that knows Heather knows how generous she is and she loves to bring people together in small and large gatherings. Food is at the center of many of these gatherings and she's got a lot of traditions that I'm sure we'll hear more about today. Everyone, welcome my friend, Heather Cohen. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm really glad you're here, Heather. So it sounds like you plan out your meals ahead of time, correct? I definitely do. I actually, during the school year, between August and June, I print a blank calendar and I plug in first if there's a Jewish holiday or if we're traveling out of town or we have visitors because we do have visitors not Corona world, but generally about once a month. So I'll X out those days. And I usually don't cook on those days for our family specifically. And then I'll always plug in a few eat out nights, you know, maybe two or three during the week, you know, maybe every other week. So maybe two or three. And then I plug in, just I said, like the regulars, like taco pizza, if I make homemade pizza for some of them. And then I fill in the other dates. And then I put the calendar up on the refrigerator and anyone can view it. Of course, we change it. It's not like a perfect system, but 
I do have one kid who will check it. And if I change it, she's like, wait, we were supposed to have chicken Parmesan tonight. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> she holds you to it. She tries. Keeps, keeps you honest. Yeah. Yeah. So you said you block out the dates when you have company. Is that because when you have visitors, obviously pre-corona, um, you eat differently then, or you plan differently, or you eat out? So we definitely eat differently. It depends on who's coming. If I have friends coming in, because we have a lot of out-of-town friends, then we usually eat out almost every meal, maybe not breakfast and lunch, but dinner every meal. And then when my parents come in, we eat out for dinners. And again, we probably eat at home for breakfast and lunch. And it's interesting when Howard's mother comes, she actually loves home-cooked food. So I'll go and pick up things that she likes, maybe turkey, salad, something really simple, tuna fish. She loves wraps. So I'll make like sandwich wraps one day. Um, she likes paninis, very simple meals. And she'd much prefer to eat at home. So I'll probably make one nice dinner with like steak and mashed potatoes. But all the others are kind of quick kind of panini, pasta kind of style meals, but she prefers to eat at home. So I know you've had a lot of gatherings over the years, and that's something that you really, really enjoy doing. Um, tell us about some of the traditions you have, because um, a lot of them involve a meal. Most of the traditions we have in this house involve a meal, and most of them center around the Jewish holidays or Shabbat. And typically I make the exact same meal, every Rosh Hashanah, every Passover, every Yom Kippur. Um, Friday night, I do try to change it up a little bit depending on who's coming. And the meal prep for that is extremely time consuming. Probably two to three weeks before any kind of holiday is coming, my husband and I will sit down. We've already invited and know who's coming by then because we do that way in advance. And we'll do numbers and how many vegetarians, how many meat eaters, if we have a kosher person or family, and then meal plan. Literally put out different ideas. I'll run it by my husband. I might ask my kids. I ask for dessert suggestions. But I usually make the same soup. I usually make the same main course. I usually make salmon every time for those eaters. And I do start shopping and cooking three days in advance. Three days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you probably, do you have like certain things, for example, you know, you can make your soup really well in advance, um, to stagger everything out. Yes. And that's part of the reason, um, it works because I know exactly when to make each, each dish. And we usually do two nights for every holiday. So I know I have to make something, let's say on a Thursday, that'll be good for Friday and Saturday. Like and then that. you just make a huge quantity because okay. I know you have, when you have these gatherings that can be like 20 people or more even. Yeah. I would say 20 is on the low end. It's closer to 28, 30, between 28 and 30 when we usually host. Um, and then even for Sukkot, I know I'm talking a lot about Jewish holidays, but that is what good. I kind of yeah. around. So when we have Sukkot, I'll do like a more simple meal something like lasagna or mac and cheese that feeds like homemade mac and cheese that feeds a ton of people. And we might have 30 or 40 people in a night, but it won't be a sit down dinner. You know, it's more like a buffet. Everyone eats when they want and they walk around. I actually, um, my mother-in-law actually gave me very good advice when I got married or actually when I even started dating Howard and we lived together saying every time you host someone, write down the date, the people, why they were there and then everything you served. And if something was a favorite, maybe star it. And I started that probably 25 years ago. So I have a book 
of all the meals I've ever served for another family, not when I cook for my own family. And I go back and I know who came, I know what they, what I served and what we liked. And now I forgot your question. That's okay. <laughs> I want to hear more about that. How has it affected us? Yeah. So I went actually back into the calendar and I looked and I have not filled that book out in six months. So we haven't had anyone for dinner and we haven't had anything. And it is this huge gaping hole. And it is very sad because I love entertaining and I love cooking and I love socializing. And it's been a really, 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 it's, it's affected us a lot. I think mentally and physically because, you know, we stay home and we eat what's in the cabinet. I'm not doing a lot of cooking. So I want to talk about the, the book that your mother-in-law has. So I've known you for a long time and I've never heard you mention this. This is an amazing tradition. I love it. Do you also, what all do you write down? The date, who came over, the meal you served, whether they liked it. Do you take any notes about the, the evening or anything like that? So I really don't. I keep it pretty straightforward. Um, I have a book that actually has a, it's almost a set up as a journal. So it'll have like date and event at the top and then just blank lines on that page. And so at the top, I'll put the date and I might just put like mom's birthday dinner or something like that to call what it is. Alexa's graduation dinner. And then I'll do people underline it, write all the people who come, including the five of us, or if we're missing someone because of overnight camp or something, and then all the guests and then served. And I underline that and I write literally everything I serve. And if someone brings a dish, like for instance, if you were at my house and you brought fruit, I might write Andrea and then in parentheses fruit. Uh-huh. So I know like you brought that and that was something that was served, but I didn't make it. Or yes. if someone buys cookies, I'll literally write down store-bought cookies, Andrea, although you probably don't do that, but I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> like I would literally write the details. And then if something's like a really big favorite, then I'll just star it. And I know that's my system. And it's interesting because sometimes after a meal, my husband will come back to me and say, yeah, I really didn't like the way that marinade sat with the salmon. I might write that down. Mm -hmm. Most of the guests don't tell me, honestly, everyone says how much they love everything. So he's very- Well, in all fairness, your cooking is really good. So So he'll tell me. And so I write a couple times, if you look through the book, I'll write a note. But more importantly, like if I'm going to have you guys over for dinner- or a family that I have periodically, it's really nice to look back and be like, well, a year ago I made lasagna. I'm not going to make lasagna again. So I do that. I use it. As oh, okay. I, so I would almost be like, do the opposite and say, they really liked the lasagna. Maybe I'll do lasagna again when they come over. Right. And I try to not do that. Okay. With certain families that come like often enough, then yeah. I would try not to do too many repeats or dessert because I have a lot of go-to desserts that I just make like chocolate chip cookies. And I make that like all the time. If I made it for your family four or five times and I'm not going to try to make it again. Got it. So you've got a lot of food traditions, um, but do you have, when you're around the table, do you have traditions there or conversation starters, anything like that? So not what I'm entertaining really. But on Friday nights, we do go around the table and we say something nice that happened that week. It can be anything just to share something nice. We usually go in age order, opposite age order. And then one of my kids complained that they were never first or last. No. And people, and people took that answer because a lot of times our answers are the same. Um, gotcha. Especially when you have teenagers, you know, they don't want to think too hard. So I remember, I think it was maybe about a year and a half ago, 
um, you called me up and said, hey, I want to bring something over to you. And you came with your cousin. Yes. And you brought this incredible pastry. The strudel. And you told me a story about why you wanted to bring it over. Can you tell us a little bit more about the significance of that and what it was? Yes. So when I was a little girl, my grandmother did and great grandmother did a ton of baking and their baking was a pinch of this and a pinch of that with nothing written down. It was all by heart. And I remember watching my grandmother make this strudel recipe, which is, it takes about four hours to make start to finish and then clean up. And I begged her to write down the recipe for me. And she said, better yet, come and cook with me and make it with me and you'll learn how to do it. So we started that tradition and we used to every year um, around the fall time, especially when there's a lot of apples because there's a lot of apples in it, we would plan a date. I would go over, we would go to lunch and then we would make the strudel. And when I was going to college, I went over there one last time to make it with her and I brought it to college. And what she used to do every year was tradition. She only gave me a small part that I was allowed to bring home and she would take the other probably three fourths of the recipe. It makes a lot of strudel and deliver it to all of her friends. Of course she lived in an apartment building. So delivering it <laughs> to her friends was literally walking across the hall. And so I've continued that tradition. I probably don't make it every year, but I make it every few years. It takes so many hours and I will deliver it to my close friends. Well, I have a cousin who moved right outside of Moncton, which is close to where I live in Baltimore. And she had never learned the recipe with my grandmother and my grandmother is no longer with us. Mm -hmm. And she said, she's always wanted to learn. So I said, come over. Why don't we make it one day together? It'd be so much fun. Um, she loves grandma strudel. So we made it together. And I said to her, we have to be fitting with the tradition. I said, you can take some and deliver it to your friends, or you can come with me and I can deliver it to some of my friends. And she said, Oh, my friends probably won't eat the strudel. Why don't we just do your friends? So I took about three fourths of the recipe. I divided it up. I label it, how many people are in each family and we delivered it. Which you really are someone who has a lot of traditions. We do. We really do. And I mean, we have more, we make a cookie dough recipe in our family. It's raw cookie dough, but it's egg free. So you can eat it. And it's a, favorite of many, many people. And we do make that quite often and the kids make it too. So do you make cookies out of it or just, you know, you can't make cookies oh. out of it. Okay. <laughs> eat it as cookie dough. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so tell us also, you have another annual tradition of a chocolate party. Yes, we do. Tell, tell everybody about that and how it came to be. <laughs> so when I was a little girl, my parents were divorced and my dad was invited to a chocolate party, um, Sammy and Kathy, and no kids were allowed, but my dad always had us on Sundays and he was invited to go to this party and they said, you cannot bring children. And then they kind of changed their mind and said, you know what, Carl, you can bring your kids. We want you to come. And I would say probably about 10 to 15 desserts people um, gathered and everyone brought one, maybe pie or cookies or something that had chocolate in it. And they laid it out on the dining room table. And as a small child at eight or nine years old, I've never, I had never seen so much chocolate in my life. And I turned to my dad and said, I want to have a chocolate party one day. Yeah. And so eventually I grew up and eventually I got married and after my third child was born, I turned to Howard, who's my husband and said, I'm ready. I want to have a chocolate party. I want to do it. 
So had you talked to him about the chocolate party prior to that? Oh yes. He oh knew. yeah. Okay. He knew. He knew through the marriage. He knew it was coming. <laughs> yeah. He knew the story. He knew I always wanted to have one. Um, and it started kind of small the first year and I learned a lot of things. And by the second year, you know, I think I had it down pretty well. And now I think March was my 14th year. Um, having it. I have it once a year. Kids are not allowed. I don't allow people to bring kids like Sam and Kathy let us go. We have a bartender who serves chocolate alcohol. We have a huge chocolate fountain every year with different things to dip in it. Everyone brings one chocolate dish. Not enough for everybody, but just one portion. And then I put Tupperware by the back door. And it's for people who want to bring stuff home to their kids or their babysitters, or they love something and they just want to try it another day. And what's really funny is if it's your first year. Many times you come in a little bit shy and you don't grab the Tupperware and you talk to everyone. And then maybe some of the favorite dishes aren't there by the end of the night because they're really taken home. If you're a close friend and you've come for many years, usually you walk in and take the Tupperware as you walk in. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you take the Oreo cookies first and the popcorn and some of the other brownies and you fill up your containers first, put them down with your name on it and then socialize. So just to give us an idea, how many people do you invite to this? So I invite a lot of people and we cast kind of a wide net because it's just a fun party to have. Typically, we have about 100 people. Do you ever have meal failures? Like anything that you've made that has been kind of a disaster? So I sometimes will... I'm a bigger baker than I am a chef and cook. So I do a lot of experimenting with baking and my family has a family cookbook that we shared maybe 10 to 12 years ago. And I have a copy for each one of my kids. And I usually, that's my go-to cookbook, but in there is my aunt's recipe for cream cheese brownies. And for some reason, and I, I will say like, I'm a better baker than I am a cook. So I can say like most people enjoy my baked goods. I cannot make cream cheese brownies to save my life. And I have tried and tried and tried. I didn't call my aunt and she's walked me through the recipe. She did not do what my grandma did. She doesn't live in town to like walk me through with standing next to me like my grandmother did, but I cannot make cream cheese brownies. I don't know why. So that's my biggest disaster because anytime I ever have tried, it's just does not come out. How many times have you tried? Six. Oh, six times. Yes. Well, I got to give you credit for being persistent. Yes, I've stopped at six. So this is changing the subject a little bit, but I remember your husband, Howard, a few years back going on a barbecue tour or going somewhere and um, going to a whole bunch of restaurants and trying all the food there at the, at the local restaurants? Yes. Yes. So his brother, Mike, um, researches different kinds of specialty foods or specialty restaurants at a certain city. And they started in Memphis many years ago. They actually went to 34 barbecue restaurants Holy in, two cow. Days, in two days. And what they do is they'll only buy maybe one item at each restaurant and everyone tries it. And then they'll drive to another maybe kind of establishment, maybe not even a restaurant. They won't sit down. Sometimes they take it to go. Sometimes it's just a food truck and they'll try whatever they're known for. And they eat all day (laughs) and they've done this several times. That's impressive. They also did it in Los Angeles. And then it's literally just a uh, guy's weekend of eating nonstop. Well, the funny thing about it, yes, it is a guy's weekend nonstop. There's the first time, I think there were about five people who went. They, um, 
after they'd done it a few times, they actually started doing a food chart and rating each restaurant. Uh-huh. And then after the weekend, Mike puts it all together and he puts in like, which was top rated, which was middle, which was bottom. And they critique the restaurants. I mean, I've asked him before, he should totally put a book together, but he's not interested. <laughs> That's incredible. Does he have a blog? He doesn't even have a blog about it. It's just internal. Like he shares it with family and friends if they ever go to a city. Like when we went to New York, he did one for us and the kids. And we did not do that many restaurants, but we did use his list for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Wow. That's really 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 incredible. He loves checking out all the food too. Yes. So you come from both sides of your family, like great food lovers. Yes. And I have to say that when he was in Los Angeles, because this is kind of crazy in four days, they did 70 different food establishments and they literally tried 70 different foods. One more story and then we'll wrap up, but I can't remember how many years ago, probably 15 is my guess. You were won a contest and it was, oh, and you were on, yes, with your oldest daughter and you went on TV and demonstrated how to prepare. Tell us about that and what the dish was. It was like ice cream. Was it cookie dough? It was that cookie dough recipe. It was that that cookie dough recipe. Yes, it was. It Um, so Howard's brother, Michael, the one who organizes the food tours for the family in these different cities also entered many food contests and invented many recipes. And he saw a mother daughter contest and asked if I wanted to enter it. So he helped with the recipe and we came up with this cookie dough recipe and also did a cone cookie that was kind of like a lacy cookie. And it looked like an ice cream cone and we put whipped cream and sprinkles on it. Now I just make the cookie dough itself. I don't really make the cone. But I did, um, my, my daughter, Alexa and I did fly to New York. Actually, we took the train. We took the train to New York. I have to remember. And we were one of five finalists and we at FAO Schwartz gave out the cookie dough for people to try and vote. And we did win. We did win. And she won some scholarship money for college. Yes, which she is now going to she's going use to use this year. Exactly. And <laughs> it's coming full circle. Yeah, that's crazy to think about. That was so many years ago. I do remember. And you were an absolute natural because the local news, TV news. They did. Picked, I did. It up, I picked up a story. I was. I was, I think on two or three. We also were on the national NBC News when we were in New York, not just me, but all five of the final contestants, the the mother-daughter team. Yeah. I just remember a piece of you really demonstrating the entire recipe and you were amazingly natural. (laughs) Thank you. I did. I made the recipe while the camera was looking at me and the cookie dough. (laughs) Oh my gosh, Heather, you have so many good food stories. so funny. Um, You'll have to tell me if after we end our pot, our recording today, if you think of any others. Okay. Um, but I have had so much fun talking to you and I've known you for a long time and I've learned some new stories from you. Yes. And I look forward to the time that we can share a meal together in person. After Heather and I stopped recording, she went and got her journal where she writes down all the company that she's had and what she's served. She leafed through and found that the first time she had me over for a meal was November of 2002. It was so amazing. I hadn't thought of that night in ages, but just 
Her description, her quick description that she had listed in that journal totally reminded me of that night. And she's got a way to to keep the memories alive for years and years to come. So I think that's a really good idea. In addition, I think her other, she's got other amazing ideas, including keeping a family cookbook. When you travel to other cities, look at the the food scene there and where you want to go. And then that you can make annual events into big memories. Um, Heather said she's going to share her edible cookie dough recipe with us, and you can find a link for that in the show notes. If you liked this episode, hit the subscribe button so that you can be sure to be notified when the next episode comes out so you don't miss a thing. We've got a lot more coming up in future episodes, and I'm really excited to share with you. 